We are live. One, two, three, four. What's up, everybody? Welcome to West Live Pod, a podcast about WVU sports, the Big 12, and playing out the stretch. I'm Joel Bracken at WV Stats Guy on Twitter. Joined by Jordan Pinto, you can find him at Game Day Shorts. Um, the Mountaineers are playing out the stretch, and I guess we're talking out the stretch at this point. Um, maybe you've heard some things before about this team. I don't know how many have changed, but uh, we're 11 of 12 games into the season, and, and this weekend we learned that there will only be 12 games. There is no coming back and making it to bowl eligibility. Um, so Jordan, how are you feeling? And and you know what was the the atmosphere like uh, reporting live from the the stadium this weekend? Yeah, I think it was it was the worst crowd uh, in my lifetime, which I think says just about everything of the state of the program right now. You know, you have senior night um, guy like Dante Stills, guys like Bryce Ford Wheaton who are you know maybe playing their last games in the old Golden Blue, and you probably I don't know they whatever they reported, it was way less than that. Um, you know, there were maybe like twenty five thirty thousand in there at kickoff. Um, I'd say less than five, you know, for the fourth quarter. And, you know, it was a couple score game, but really there was a chance in the third quarter where if we would have gotten something going, we could have made it a game late. Obviously we never did. Um, but it was just a weird vibe, you know, it was like, I don't think anybody really had expectations. So, you know, it wasn't even all that upset of a crowd. It was just kind of like everybody just, well, we've made this decision to be here and now we just have to sit have to sit through it basically. Um, and yeah, I mean, just in terms of the the bigger picture of the season, you know, I almost feel like it's kind of an exhale. I think we say a lot on here is, you know, I, I would never root for this team to lose. I, I don't care for uh, people rooting for this team to lose just for the sake of getting the coach fired. Um, but I do think, you know, we, we, we have a new AD on the way at some point here soon. The fact that we're missing a bowl now, it does feel like there's a little bit of an exhale factor where it's like, okay, this page is getting fully turned at this point. We're not limited to a bowl. It's really hard to see, uh, you know, any way around firing Neil at this point. So I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of a, it's a weird feeling right now. It's a weird feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And to your point about, you know, not rooting for this team to lose, you know, I think we've both iterated it and said that, you know, Never going to be rooting for the L for, you know, coaches or missing a ball, all that, you know, external points. But I do feel like the the apathy has kind of been overwhelming at this point where it's just like, OK, like there's one more week and like in a weird way, I'm fine with that. It's just like, let's just figure out what's going on next year. I'd say in 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 the most likely scenario, we're going to be hiring a new coach. Obviously, we're going to be bringing in a new AD in the coming weeks. And yeah, we're just going to be, you know, moving on, which um, maybe is a great segue to, you know, the game because it feels like it's time to move on because, you know, we, we have our notes written out about the game. And I feel like uh, some of these might have just been copy pasted from other games. That's, uh, you know, copy pasted notes and critiques. And you hear the same presser at the end of the game from Neil. Um, you know, I think in a nutshell, this was a game I feel like we have watched a lot over the last few years. It was, you know, a slow start. You linger within arm's distance, but you never really feel like you can, you know, crawl all the way back in. Um, just enough to keep, you know, one eye on the screen and be like, are we right there? But um, I don't know. So, you know, I think, you know, and then, of course, the penalties, the special teams, you know, issues, questionable things with timeouts, with Neil, situational things. Um, I don't know. Was there anything... I think we'll we'll probably talk a little micro and macro, but like of this game specifically, any anything new stand out to you, or is it just same old, same old? I don't want to beat a dead horse if you don't want to. I I feel like the in general, yes, it was same old, same old. You know, just kind of a microcosm of of the last four years, where you know we go down fourteen nothing right straight away, but we claw back, we claw back somehow. We get a, we go down, get a touchdown, we get a pick six. And then we don't get 10 or we don't get 11 guys out there on the extra point. We get a procedure penalty, back it up, then we miss the extra point. And that's just like, if that isn't this program in a nutshell for the last four years, where every meaningful step forward at every level is always followed by an equally meaningful step backwards, mm-hmm. um, then I don't know what is. And, and yeah, like you said, I, you know, it was, 
we were always trying to trying to return their serve basically is what this game felt like and then there were just a couple times where we weren't able to and and that was about that um you know, I think the 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 difference in this game we talked about it a little bit last week. Uh, Garrett Green definitely brings a different energy. Uh, I and you know I do feel like it was it was a little bit lighter of a lighter of an energy than it has been at times this year, just because you know he's still out there uh, leave, leaving everything on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the defense made some plays in the second half. Um, but no, and I mean in general, no. This yes, we've watched this game before. So yeah, the the you know the lack of complimentary football has been something that has actually just crushed this team all year because there are stretches of drives where both the offense and the defense have looked good. Just unfortunately, neither of those have come at the same time. It feels like this team has always been a tale of two halves. So um, you know, once again, the offense you know, putting points up in bunches in the first half. Unfortunately, the defense was allowing like 35 in the first quarter, right outside the first quarter. So, um, yeah, you just can't can't get all the units on at the same time, you know, working. Special teams was particularly terrible. I mean, Casey was perfect all year. And then, you know, he has he saved all of his misses for one game. You know, I don't know what was going on there, but, you know, not just that, you know, the kickoffs, something I noticed that, K-State, you know, is getting good, decent returns. They're, you know, trying to advance the ball. We almost just concede kickoffs as, like, we're not even touching them. And then, like, the two times we do, <laughs> you see why we probably, uh, you know, take that approach. So, um, so frustrating. It's the second year in a row where we have basically, we've just kind of, you know, closed our eyes on kickoffs both ways. Where, you know, last year it was the it was the the kickoff team was just, the, I mean, literally the, the worst in the country. Mm-hmm. Um average starting field position in the thirties for, for somebody, um, which is, which is insane. And, you know, if you dig into the numbers enough, there, there are actual tangible, um, you know, point points that are gained and lost uh, just based on where you start the ball, you know, your likelihood of scoring 2.7 points a drive as opposed to 2.1 points a drive. And you just think about that over the course of a game and over the course of a season. And it's it like, it makes a difference. You know, it's not, it's not like if every kickoff happens in a vacuum, but over the course of the season, that kind of shit adds up. Um, yep. yeah, yeah. I, yeah, it was, yeah, good. Yeah. I was just say like, you know, Casey makes two extra points and a field goal. That's five points. And that would have made it know. a 14 point game in the third quarter. We yeah. Down, and we were down 19 points. Yep. And, and, you know, I think you said the, you know, the pick six and then the procedural penalty was a good, um, explanation of this team. I think another one would be the first drive of the third quarter, which yeah. was, just absolutely brutalized by penalties and you you keep finding a way to advance the ball you burn almost nine minutes off the clock and then you don't score and then I think the way Neil framed it in the presser was you know we overcame all of this and it's like well it was self-inflicted it wasn't like yeah it it was it's one thing to overcome adversity it's another thing to be like self-inflicting wounds and then be like we survived them kind of a little bit it's just like well it was two steps forward, two steps back yeah. the entire way down the field. I shot and, myself in the foot and didn't die from it. You know, give myself a pat on the back for that. Exactly. Um, yeah. And he brought up like a first and 25 situation that we put ourselves into with two mm-hmm. consecutive penalties. It was like, yeah, we overcame that. And it's like, actually, we got a we got a personal foul. Kansas State got a personal foul. We didn't do shit, you know, yeah. like so I don't know. Some of the stuff he said um, in the po- I mean, you know, you said it's just rinse and repeat post game. Just some things you don't see is like a quote that he had. It's like, really? Because, again, this looked like every other game I've ever watched this play for four years. Um, you know, said the we ran the ball as well as anybody against them. And it's like, no, we didn't. Like, there were three teams that went over 200 yards against them this year. We had 163. We ran it well. Maybe mm-hmm. we should have run the ball more. Yeah. I was kind of thinking that the whole second half is like, look <laughs> – why are we running the JT offense with Garrett Green in the game? I just, I, you know, it, it didn't make sense to me. Um, he's complaining about our lack of second half possessions. You just got into, well, we wasted nine minutes on our first one. Why do you think we didn't have many? There's only, there's only 30 minutes and we wasted, you know, two thirds of them or a third of them on, on, on our first, first drive of the, it's just, yeah, it's, I don't, it's not even worth getting mad at anymore. Cause it's not going to be a yeah. problem anymore, but it's, it's just the same shit over and over. Yeah, I mean, lots of things I think in this game, you know, could talk about, but a lot of, the, you know, maybe these ideas and even some of these players, you you almost are going to kind of get this like refresh here yeah. in, in the near future. So maybe it is or isn't worth getting into, you know, I think the one player 
I think that is worth talking about would be Garrett Green. And, um, you know, I think you definitely just have some different elements with him in the game. Definitely a different feel um, when he's, you know, running the offense. Um, You know, I don't don't know that the offense was 100% catered to his skill set this weekend. Um, But also, you know, it's hard to switch an entire offensive focus in in a week, I think. Um, You know, the thing that really stood out to me was, you know, I think in a, a very general sense, the way you think about Garrett Green as he's a, you know, very good runner and then like a shaky passer. He threw some some pretty deep balls. Um, he had a couple deep balls that I was pretty impressed with. Um, you know, the fade there on, I think, the first touchdown of the game and then also hit Sam James on like, you know, 70-some yard bomb. Um, you know, he had some big time throws, but also, you know, he has enough throws that just have you scratching your head that, you know, the first pick six was kind of rough. There were some um you know kind of open balls that he just dumped into the ground and um i guess really what i'm getting at is do you think he is a viable long-term option do you think um you know can you build an offense around this guy at the power five level um i'm not i'm not sure i know yet uh, but curious what you think yeah yeah i think we need to see more i think he needs to get another start this weekend because this 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 upcoming weekend it's going to be probably you know the the team. We'll get into the team, but the the front is still as as good as there is in the league. And I think you know if he can be successful against against Oklahoma State's front, then yeah, it's definitely something to consider. But no, I mean, what I would say is I don't I don't I don't think this staff he's a legitimate option for this staff just because it's very clearly not something. You know his his skill set, the way that he plays, is very something clearly something they're not comfortable with. Um, but I do think that there are successful power five offenses that are built around similar skill sets, I guess is what I would say. And so I'd be curious to see, you know, what he looked like in something like, uh, you know, honestly, like an Oklahoma offense or, or like what, what Lane Kiffin does at, uh, at Ole Miss, where it's 60% play action. Every single play is going to feature some sort of some zone read RPO variation. Um, it's it's going to feature heavy QB run. You know, I, I, there, there are systems built around skill sets like his that are successful at the P5 level. So, yeah, I think he's a legitimate option. I think, um, you know, he's going to be 1A, depending on who, who else sticks around and whatever happens in the portal over the next, you know, several months is going gonna, is gonna to determine, obviously, how, how all that goes. But I think you definitely have to consider him at this point. I think he, he's too good of an athlete not, not to. You know, I was looking at mm-hmm. some of the stuff on PFF, and he he's played what he's played two games, maybe two games worth of football this year if you count yeah. three quarters last week and then this full one, um, and he's like in the top twenty among quarterbacks and and like rushing he's grading out in the top ten among quarterbacks in rushing per PFF, um, really good missed tackle numbers, good stuff after contact. So I mean like the 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 running skill set is legit and real. I think he has a strong enough arm that yeah you can I mean. Somebody could build a successful offense around him for sure. Totally. And, and, you know, he has the running ability, but part of having the, you know, the, the dual threat is the fear that the defense has to respect the run. And I know at least one or two times this weekend, he scrambled and ended up finding an open man because you kind of freeze the defense because, you know, that threat of running. So, um, yeah, it kind of, you know, it pays dividends both ways. But yeah, I mean, you know, I think we need to see him one more week. Obviously, we have some dudes in the in the quarterback room. I don't think we're going to have all four of those dudes next no. year. You know, you're you're going to probably lose two of them. So I'd be happy if we keep two. <laughs> so you got to know what you got. Um, yeah, I think keep playing them. And you know, you mentioned the transfer portal. I know the news came out this week that Charles Woods is on his way out. Um, that's a bummer. I think um, you know with the transfer portal now, I don't get too beat up about guys coming and going because that's just what it is but um obviously this guy was a preseason all big 12 dude you know probably the best player on our defense uh it didn't really work out for him this year with injuries like he just couldn't stay healthy at all but um that's a bummer i know you know also we have cj situation i don't know what is there but there are rumblings and you know i know he like liked some tweet about him potentially leaving or something i don't know what's going on there those would be two dudes that I would at least, you know, be upset to lose. But who knows? You know, if we if we get it, flip a whole new coaching staff in here, the turnover might be big. Turnover isn't always bad. We'd get dudes in. You know, you get dudes in, you get dudes out. It's still a power five school. You're going to get 
quality transfers. And um, I don't know. That's just like a whole mess of stuff that um, as the offseason rolls on, that's <laughs> I don't know. I can never keep up during the offseason. It's just like, tell me who we got late September or something like that. And it's like, you know, or in August, it's that, that's when it starts to really matter for me, I guess. Um, but so I think that's a, a pretty good segue to the basketball team, right? Exactly. <laughs> Cause man, full refresh. Yeah. You can just full refresh a team and that's what you do now. And that's what Huggins is doing. So, um, you know, I think still going through the tune-ups, uh, did you catch much of the, the games last week? I know we had Moorhead state and pin, um, yeah, yeah, I watched uh, I watched most of both games actually, and and you know I just keep thinking I still don't know what the ceiling is for the team, but the floor keep you know it feels higher than it even did a week ago. You know, I it, we we have eleven eleven guys I think that I feel comfortable playing. Mm-hmm. Um, all of our bigs, our bigs are good. I feel comfortable with Wage. I feel good about Jimmy Bell. Feel good about Oconquo. I feel good about Sumnick now. I mean, Sumnick has a motor. He clearly knows how to play the game. Mm-hmm. Um, feel really good about all that. And yeah, I think it's just going to be, you know, our ceiling is just going to depend on how we end up being able to score the ball. Um, you see games games like Penn where the ball is going in very, uh, very early, very often. Um, if that if that happens a good bit, we're going to be a really tough team for people to beat because we're big, we're deep. You know, we play hard. All all the all the things that we said last week, um, and yeah, I'm just I'm excited. You know, Penn. You hear Penn and Moorhead State, and maybe you don't think both of those teams were picked to win their their leagues, which would give them the automatic tourney bid. So if you think about it like that, we just we blew out two tournament teams last week. So um, yeah. I don't know. I like the squad. Did you uh? What did you watch? Yeah, yeah, I got bits and pieces of both games. Um, you know, the I, I think the the thing with this team, like you said, there's like enough guys that I, you know, I think especially in college basketball where um, consistency, you know, night to night can kind of can kind of rock. So um, having like a, a deep bench of guys that you trust, I think they're going to be, especially when you get into conference play, they're going to be nights when different dudes are going to have to take over. Yep. And and that's something I really like seeing the depth of this team that you think you can get a night from a a large handful of these guys, um, mm-hmm. which is just reassuring that you don't have to, you know, rely on two dudes. Um, yeah. The one thing I'm really looking at, you know, just some of the numbers so far, we're only four games in the season, the effective field goal percentage. I mean, we're putting the ball in the basket at a very, very high rate for a Bob Huggins team. Um, you know, clearly the, the competition hasn't been up to it yet, but um, you know, I think also getting back to the rebounding roots of a Huggins team, uh, we're not quite, you know, to the zone that you usually see of his elite teams. But after last season, um, the rebounding woes were were big and, and definitely back on the right tick there. That is like the biggest indicator of success of a Bob Huggins team is is the rebounding. So, and so it, it, it feels good to watch a Huggins team again. You know, you, you feel like whatever whatever happens this year, he, he's going down with the ship right at this point where it's mm-hmm. like he's he's going to win his way. He's going to lose his way. I'm sure he's happier about it. And as a fan, I, I feel better about it too. So yeah, yeah. been a, been a fun first four games. I'm looking forward to uh what is it? Thursday, Thursday night at like, is it like a midnight tip off or a 1am yeah. tip off? Or? It's an absurdly late Eastern tip. It's like a 1030 Eastern. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. For Purdue. So Purdue is 25 right now in Kim Palm. West Virginia started the season at 73 and has ticked up to 40. Um, so yeah, big we, jump so far. We, we look good. We look good. Yeah. All right, recap, precap. Let's do it. All righty. So we had, um, I guess early. Let's let's get the early game out of the way. Texas um, just absolutely smashed Kansas. Kind of. I don't know if you make amends for for them beating the the Horns in Austin last year, uh, but certainly sent a message that it wasn't going to happen this year. I think it was thirty one nothing at halftime. It was forty one nothing before Kansas even got points. Jalen Daniels was playing, by the way. Don't think he was full strength, but he was out there. Um, and yeah, I'm looking at your note here. They, yeah, I, I agree. And I agree. Texas, Texas, when, when Texas is on, I'm not sure there's a team that's better than them. They're just, they haven't been on very, very often. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I was in Austin actually this weekend. Um, the game was not in Austin, but you know, was bouncing through some bars and saw the game on and it wasn't much of a game. Yeah. When Kansas has the fire in their eyes and, and plays like they are capable, I mean, I, I actually do think they're the best team in this conference. Fortunately, their variance is just very wide. 
And uh, yeah, they seem pissed off and motivated for Kansas. They <laughs> still have a shot, which is a funny thing to say, but they, they still have a shot, um, an outside shot of making it into the title game. Uh, I think kind of slim at this point, but um, still on the table. Yeah, Texas is, is good when they decide they want to be. Yep. All right. Then we had, I mean, probably, well, the most, the most consequential game of the weekend, um, TCU at Baylor. Uh, this is a really, this is a really fun game. It was a really good game and TCU yet skin of their teeth, man. They keep doing it. How do they keep doing it? They can do it in so many ways. I mean, that's the thing. They, they can, uh, they can get in the middle of a game and you don't know how the game's going to go. If like going to be a slug fest like they had last week, uh, they can outscore you like they have against some teams this year. And then this was kind of middle of the road. They absorbed a lot of punches. Baylor came and I think Baylor gave them, you know, their best shot. Baylor, similar to Texas, they have a high ceiling when they play well. They are a really good team. And, uh, you know, watched a lot of this game. Baylor, you know, Baylor gave them a, a, a solid shot and TCU fire drill field gold it at the end um this was an exciting game and yeah tcu 11 and 0 the the dream season continues yeah what are the chances that uh our team executes uh that that field goal that field goal drill right there well we would run 12 men onto the field so that'd be five back and then we would call make, a timeout make that field goal though we'd make the field goal but we had 12 men on the field yeah <laughs> then we'd call so then we'd go five back we'd call a timeout and out of the timeout we'd have a false start and then we'd probably just end up having to throw a Hail Mary. At that point. <laughs> it's just so, so the, fucking sad. And then Neil would, in the post game would say, I need someone to explain to me what a legal formation is because I don't understand it. No one can give me a good explanation. Yeah, yeah, it's sad. It's sad how we can't figure that out. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Texas Tech 14, Iowa State 10. You have snore on here. I had defensive struggle. I was higher on this game than you were. Um, but no, I was, this was a, you know, a pretty, a pretty boring game aside from the fact that Tech, Tech got their sixth win. Bowl for Joey McGuire in year one. So have those, have that team headed in the, uh, in the right direction. Did you watch any of this one? I didn't catch much of this one. Uh, I feel like Iowa State has played the same game every season. This whole season, it's like this kind of game, and they've uh, slowly devolved to Iowa. Um, both schools <laughs> in Iowa are just playing the same brand of football now. But yeah, Texas Tech, year one, making a bowl. Obviously, TCU, year one, 11 and 0. Um, so some successful first year coaches. You know, I think I saw something that said like TCU's strength of record, the average team. Um, would have a 4% chance of going 11 and 0 against TCU's TCU schedule to this point. And I just like had the thought of like, yeah, that sounds right. Cause that's about the chance that I would give TCU uh, of, of, of doing it this year. Cause I, you know, there are a lot of times where I feel like they're kind of an average team, but then yeah. there they are just undefeated, you know? So, yeah, there's a point when you gotta, you know, sports are funny because we, we put so much weight into this record and this is something I'll bring up when we talk. Okay. Stay in a minute, but, um, yeah, you know, a lot what analytics a lot of the time does is really, you know, give you a fair assessment. Um, you know, it's not always the result, it's how you played the game. And man, TCU is really good at getting the result. And their their other things are good, but they could very easily have three losses this year. It's just uh the balls bounce the right way and yeah, you gotta run with it with it when it does. Yep, and they have. Um, to their credit. All right, last game, uh last game of the weekend, Bedlam. Oklahoma wasn't there wasn't very much bedlam in this game I didn't think Oklahoma did their work early they 21 or 28 first quarter points um three interceptions for Spencer Sanders this was uh it was never really close wasn't really that exciting in the second half um but yeah Oklahoma wins 28-13 yeah yeah did you watch yeah got, got some highlights on this one and yeah OU went up 28 nothing early. Three interceptions in the first, um, I want to say like 15 or 20 minutes for Span Sanders. I think he had four total. Um, yeah, so a weirdly inconsequential bedlam. Um, also, first-year head coach Brent Venables gets to bowl eligible. That's not really the standard for Oklahoma, but they did it. They're 6-5, and five, um, so he's safe from pure embarrassment this year, but... Yeah, Oklahoma State, man. I think they're just a zombie team at this point. I don't know that we're much better, but um, <laughs> yeah, they, I don't know. They have made a mess of the past month. They were in the middle of October. They were sitting top ten, seven and zero, 
And since mm-hmm. then, or six and zero, six and zero, I think. Um, but yeah, since then, it's just boy, they've really have not looked too good. Um, anything else last weekend? Um, you know, the only thing TCU obviously is in the Big Twelve title game, and um, you know, Kansas State um, is they they are in the driver's seat coming into this week. So they just either need to win or a Texas loss. They're safe in the title game. Texas needs a win. And the K State loss, so those are uh, that's your you know showdown for the last spot. Yep, K State six and two in conference, Texas five and three, uh, to to give some imagery to that to that description there. Um, okay, let's get into the uh, to the precap here. So we have Friday night. Uh, let's just get right into Texas. We got Baylor heading to Texas. Longhorns are seven point favorites at home, and again, yeah, Texas needs Texas needs a win. Um, how, how you how you feeling about this one? Yeah, I think two schools that have pretty high ceilings. Um, they both can can play. Um, they both can play really good, and they both played pretty poorly at times this year. Um, I think Texas has got to be motivated. I mean, this is like you got to handle your business on the Friday night and put it in K State's hands to choke it up in a rivalry game. Um, so I think Texas is going to be motivated. I think they're going to handle business. Seven points feels like a lot because I just don't know the variance on Texas. It's so hard to read, but. When Texas comes out motivated, I think, yeah. Yeah, when they've been good, when they've been good, they've been really good. Um, I, yeah, the seven points, whatever. I, I'll i tell you what, if Texas isn't motivated in this one, like this is, I mean, it's a must-win game. Um, you know, not in, not in any national sense, but in terms of the conference and getting into the conference playoff or conference championship game, it's a must-win game. And, yeah, I mean, if they lose this one, they miss out on it, and it's like the way that the conference was this year. This is one where Sark will be his seat won't be warm heading, you know, hot heading into next year, but it'll be like room yeah. temperature, room temperature. It's certainly not on ice anymore. Um, so yeah, I, I, I agree. I think Texas takes care of business in this one. Um, then we have Saturday, Iowa State looking to play spoiler at TCU. Horn Frogs, eleven point favorites. Perfect regular season on the line. CFP on the line. Uh, what do you What do you see happening here? Iowa State is good in this situation. If this was in Ames, I would be like sounding the alarm of like weird weird things will happen. Um, I don't think Iowa State can can match TCU in the points, and I think I've said this several times with Iowa State this year. But it's TCU scores like three times, and they're probably going to win this game. Um, I think this is going to be close into the second half and then TCU, you know, pulls away in the fourth. I think Iowa state will give it a good shot. Yeah. I think we've seen, uh, we've seen against Iowa state this year that, that, you know, anywhere between 15 and 20 points has generally been enough unless you're, unless you're West Virginia and then you give up 31. Uh, but yeah, I think, I mean, TCU just has too much, too much firepower, even against, uh, even against Baylor last weekend, it just felt like, man, they they hit a forty yard play every quarter. It feels like you know what I mean. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think too much firepower. You can't lose this game at home with. The, I mean, you know, like this is literally two thousand seven pit. If if TCU loses, this game. Mm. so, mm. um, yeah, I, I I don't want them. I don't want anybody to feel. You know, there there's there's a certain level of Schadenfreude that I can appreciate. But oh, I there de- there are definitely schools I want to feel that pain, but. TCU. I don't think, yeah, TCU, they can, yeah. they can go for it, whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. All right, Oklahoma, two-and-a-half-point favorites traveling to Texas Tech. Uh, two six-and-five teams here. What's uh, what's your feeling on this one? Not a lot to play for, honestly, I think. You're, yeah. you're both in the bowls, and you're both going to a you know a toilet bowl, so I don't know. This one's just for pride. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't really have a good pulse on this game, to be honest. Two-and-a-half to Oklahoma. Um yeah, that probably seems right. I think Oklahoma, I mean, obviously they came out and played pretty well early this week, but then you sit on 28 points in the first quarter and don't score again. So it's like, do you feel good about that performance? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'd say you want to at least uh, have a winning season in, at Oklahoma. It's been a long, long time, at least 20, 30 years since that's not been the case. Yeah, I think it's it's so weird to say this because Tech beat us by 38 and we beat Oklahoma, but I do feel like Oklahoma is the better team. Um, so yeah, I mean, who knows? Yeah. Good. Like you said, this, there, there, 
this one's for pride only, so enjoy yourselves. I'm probably not going to watch a second of that game. Uh, and then we have, is there a nickname for Kansas, Kansas State? Is the, does the game have the a name? Sun, sunflower? Or, sunflower, I think sunflower, yeah. State, sunflower Showdown, maybe. Or something like that. Okay, cool. Well, we have Kansas, uh, and, and you know, Kansas, bowl eligible Kansas with a chance to play spoiler for Kansas State now because, like we said, if, if State loses and Texas wins, Texas has the tiebreaker over K-State. So um, Kansas State, 12-point favorites at home. Uh, what do you, uh, what do you think here? I, I mean, I'm guessing Jalen Daniels is playing again, right? So, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma, or Kansas can really play spoiler here. You know, nothing you, you mentioned the, uh, the unmentionable game earlier, but you know, um, to, to knock a rival out of a big opportunity where Kansas state, you know, in all likelihood will be playing win or lose to get in the conference championship game. Um, you know, big opportunity for Kansas, then Kansas state's going to be focused. And, you know, I think when Kansas state, their brand of football is like, we're going to grind you out. We're not going to make mistakes. And, um, you know, I think they're the better team here. So, um, yeah, I think Kansas state is going to get it done. The opportunities in front of them. And I, I, I feel like this is the type of team that will seize that opportunity. Agreed. Yeah. They, they haven't beaten themselves a whole lot this year and it feels like that's what it's going to take for, for the Jayhawks to, to come out on top of this one. So I, I agree. I think Kansas state wins, gets that rematch with TCU in the, uh, conference title game. Like we all predicted in the beginning of the year, the fifth and the eighth, I think preseason teams in the Big Twelve will <laughs> will step up and uh, yeah, wild year, been a get fun out. year. All right, anything else uh, on on this upcoming weekend, or do we want to get into the preview? Yeah, that's all all I got. Cool, Oklahoma State. Uh what it was? So we we've lost seven in a row to these guys. Um, they're they're bad. I, I, I don't think they're good this year, but we're awful this year. And they've been good at home. So I don't know. Like, I, I don't think there's any reason to think that we're going to win this game, except that, man, they, they've just been a mess for the last, last month. Like I said, they started 6-0 and this year. They've gone 1-4 since. Um, I think this is the worst team that they've had. I mean, I think it's definitely the worst team they've had since we joined the Big 12, right? Like, is there, there hasn't been a worse Gundy, Gundy team than this. Yeah, this one's got to be close, um, if not the worst. Um, I just peeked at the line, eight and a half points to Oklahoma State. Yeah, yeah. So I think they're, I think they're getting a little love for that record. I think this is, I, you know, you kind of, you kind of buried the lead a little bit ago. You know, they're seven and four, and so we're talking about this team like they're, like they're way worse than that. But it's really, it's really this last month that has kind of. You know, giving off the zombie vibes. Joel, Joel's been calling him. You've been calling him a, a zombie team for for two or three weeks now. Um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. What's the what's the take on on Oklahoma State here? Yeah, you know, zombie zombie team was what people have called him for a few weeks because it just feels like they absolutely collapsed. But I think in hindsight, you look back um, at this team, and you know, we talk like you know, I mentioned with TCU, we talk a lot about wins and losses, and obviously, like if you like sports, like that's what it's about. It's about the end result, but. Um, there are also other things at play here. And, you know, I just want to read Oklahoma state, obviously coming off last year, like we knew where like the caliber of the team was and you, you know, had expectations coming into this year. Their, their out of conference schedule was central Michigan, Arizona state, who was like a two win team and Arkansas pine bluff. And they handled business. Those were three free wins. They got no sweat at all. Um, and you know, you jump off. They get Baylor early in the season when I think Baylor was, you know, right around the time we played them when obviously they were kind of vulnerable. Uh, You get Texas Tech. And then since then, it's just been, you know, at least, I don't know, it's just been chaotic. So you lose to TCU by a field goal. Then you go and beat Texas, who we talked about as a high variance team. Then you get absolutely smashed by Kansas State, 48-0. You get smashed by Kansas with no Jalen Daniels. And then you grind one out versus Iowa State, and then you kind of get smashed versus Oklahoma. Um, this team is some like you look at the record; they're seven and four, but they have a lot of you know, like I said, kind of three free wins to open up the season. This team, you know, with a with a tougher out of conference schedule, could easily be like right around five hundred. Um, and you know, if they beat us, this is like an eight win team. But it's just like how this team is, especially when you look at the offense. Like this team is just not good. Um, clearly West Virginia is not good either, but, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not like 
overly impressed by this team. They're uh, they're definitely not like the caliber to compete for the the conference title like a lot of people thought, including us coming into the season. Yeah, I think so. Let's let's start offensively, and and I think the the. You know, in term in terms of we talk a lot about identity on here, and this feels like the first year where they've really they haven't had, you know, really a marquee running back or a marquee wide receiver, and so the keys have been fully handed to Spencer Sanders, and he had it's it's just gone exactly how you'd expect, I think, in terms of that. Like when you think about Spencer Sanders, he's good when he's good, he's good. But man, he can go off the rails in a hurry, like we saw in Bedlam last weekend, where he, you know, the game was it. The game was over before, you know, eight minutes in. He'd already thrown three interceptions. And I feel like that's like a pretty fair take on uh, on on, on the, their, their offense. You know, like they've put up some decent numbers. If you look their passing numbers, I think they're actually like one of, the, you know, the second or third most yards per game. But it's just the the bad plays are really, really bad. It's not efficient. Um it's, it's you know it's not not explosive but the but but the explosiveness ha- hasn't hasn't made up for um for that other stuff for the for the negative plays for the mm-hmm. you know the the turnovers for all this stuff so um yeah i i mean you know sander it, it feels it feels tough to rag on him because he's been a little bit banged up but i really he's he's regressed like this is if you look at the numbers this is his worst year as a passer as a four year starter um, completions are down to like 57% has a career low yards per attempt. Um, he's top six in power five and turnover where he plays big time throws are down, um, from, yeah. from like 4.7 to 2.5. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's gotten a whole lot less efficient and it hasn't like the, yeah, the explosiveness offset hasn't made up for it. So I don't know any, anything to add on Sanders. Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it. I think they're definitely, if you look at sort of the numbers and the grades right around the middle of the season, um, granted, I talked about the early competition not being up to it, but um, yeah, I mean, the last five games, he's had under a 64 uh, PFF grade in in the last five games. The turnover-worthy plays has always been kind of an issue for him. I mean, he has a higher percentage of turnover-worthy plays than he did his freshman year. Um, You mentioned the completion percentage, and you know, I will say just circumstances but that Oklahoma game was especially weird he dropped back to pass 80 times I mean you go you go down early in a game and you you know you're trying to fight back and score that's what happens but 80 times he dropped back to pass it's absurd um and, you know ends the game with four picks five turnover worthy plays four of those obviously got picked and yeah um just a strange season you know I don't know how much you attribute to to the injuries but yeah, not what you expected, especially after last year. We talked about him being the best uh, returning starter in the conference by default, in a way. But um, we we clearly discounted Max Duggan and and uh, yeah, just Spencer saying, I don't know, man. It's been a been a rough second half of the season for him. Well, we talk. I mean, we were complaining earlier about you know maybe we're not really setting Garrett Green up for success because he's a good runner. And if you look last year, Oklahoma State ran the ball between 60 and 65 percent of the time last year. They were one of the you know heaviest run teams in the league between between Sanders and uh, and Jalen Warren. And, you know, he's still he's still one of the best runners in the league. You know, I think he's 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 averaging about, um, you know, seven between seven and eight design carries a game. And then, you know, four or five scrambles a game gets him up to, you know, 11, 12 carries. Uh, just, just you know, week in, week out, and he's still effective at it. It's just that they, 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 they've been throwing it more, and and they, like I said, it it, it hasn't it hasn't been efficient, um, and they haven't, you know, um, Dominic Richardson, Jaden Nixon. I think they're both like pretty good players, but I think the the drop off from guys like Jalen Warren and um, who's the Canadian dude? Why can't I think of his name? The dude on the Panthers now. Um, the running back they had like two years ago, who was really, mm. really good. Holy Chuba, cow. Chuba Hubbard. Yeah. Chuba. Yeah. Why, why couldn't I think of his name? Uh, Chuba Hubbard. Yeah. But like the drop off from Warren and Hubbard to, to Richardson and Nixon, you know, they just, it felt like last year between, between Sanders and Warren, they could get four or five yards anytime that they wanted it on the ground. Um, and I think we'll get into the offensive line in a minute. Maybe that's a part of it as well, but they, they just haven't been able to do that this year. So, um, 
I don't know. Skill players, like I said, Nixon Richardson. I, I I like them both. I think they're both they're both tough to tackle. Richardson is he's caught twenty one passes this year out of twenty three targets, so he's good out of the backfield. Um, but there's nobody who's going to like take the game by the scruff of the neck, right? It's kind of the same problem that we have. There's no there's no game breakers. There's no difference makers uh, out wide. Um, what do you think? Yeah, there? yeah, exactly. I think I think Spencer Sanders, though he has the big regression in his numbers. Uh, he doesn't have dudes like Jalen Warren, like Tay Martin, like you said, all these weapons he's had in other years. And you really look at the supporting cast. I mean, I was really trying to dive in and, you know, you see the the numbers that he's putting up and it's like, okay, why? Like, where can I find the, you know, who's letting him down? Where, you know, where are things going wrong? And, you know, you just look at this offense as a whole. I think you said it, no game breakers, really. Um, listen to these rankings. I'm talking just in the Big 12. These are PFF numbers. So in the past game, Oklahoma State, ninth, pass block, ninth, receiving core, ninth, run game, ninth, run block, tenth. Just not getting any help. I mean, there's, he he might be the best player in the offense, but, you know, other years they in Oklahoma State, especially known for having explosive receivers and just not really getting the help anywhere else. His offense has been uh, kind of miserable at times, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, they, they feel – it's weird because they're actually one of the more balanced units that we've that we've seen just in terms of, you know, run, run pass ratio. Um, but they do feel really one dimensional at times. So, you know, there's games where I've watched them this year where it feels like the only time that they've been been good in anything or been successful is when Sanders runs the ball. Um, and that just. You know, that can work for a while. It's, it's like we've seen with, Gary, you know, I'm going to make this comparison. It's like we've seen with Garrett Green. It can work. It can work really well sometimes. And then other times it just, it, yeah, it looks, it looks really bad. Um, out wide, you, you, they have a handful of guys who, you know, it feels like they target. Um, Brennan Presley has the most. He, he hurt us last year. He's a good, he's a, he's a good player. Um, I'd say he's as close as they have to a game breaker. Um, but he's the only one in the Big 12 and, and you know, PFF uh, receiving grade. He's the only one in the, tw- the top 20 of the Big 12 of, among receivers with 20-plus targets. Um, good after the catch. Uh, they have Braden Johnson, who's a pretty good deep threat. You know, I think the one of the big uh, really deficiencies, and this is, again, something that we can relate to, one of the big deficiencies, they have that cowboy wing position, which is like their tight end or their H-back. That's been really, really effective for them for basically – since we've been in the conference, they've always had some big dude who they can, they can run those kinds of tight end, you know, H back seam kind of, you know, a play action where like he'll leak across the formation and he's there. And, and that position has just been a big dud for them this year. They, they've, they've had a couple guys that they've run out there. Um, none of them have been really good. Uh, none of them have blocked very particularly well which, and you know, we can see we've kind of, we've kind of been dealing with that a little bit, you know, since Michael Laughlin uh, got hurt against Texas, where it, if you don't have that position, if you don't have a guy who who you can do that kind of stuff with, it really can impact your offense. And and I think that's, that's hurt them a lot this year. Yeah, that, that's a good call. And, and also thank God, because Kansas State clearly, uh, clearly knew how to use guys in that position against yeah. us, because I feel like tight end running down the seam was like, I mean, they had multiple tight ends that had like 30 plus yard catches. So um, that's something we've never been able to cover. But yeah, I mean, I just think all in all, you're looking at this offense for Oklahoma State and it's just not it's not filled out like it has been in past years. And, um, you know, clearly they were a really good defensive team last year, but their offense was was competent enough. I mean, clearly they could go out and and win games and the defense would um, keep them in position. Complimentary football, like we were talking about earlier. What's that? Yeah, right. (laughs) um but yeah you mentioned the offensive line yeah just like not overly impressive grades on the offensive line not a lot of standout looks like they kind of use seven guys throughout the year but um you know it's just uh it's an offense that struggled you know i think the big thing that um has kind of held them back they're not great in the negative plays department so um having a lot of you know just plays that are moving you backwards and this isn't an explosive offense that can really Come around that uh, the beta rank, the uh, the rush rank is a hundred and third. So uh, for effective rush, so yeah, just getting no help in the passing game either with that. So um, yeah, I don't know. This is an offense that um, you know maybe I'll eat my words on this, but I feel like our defense might be able to match up against. I don't feel um, overly threatened. I mean, I think this is definitely one of the weaker units on the bottom part of the conference. So yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, 
They're 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 not Iowa State. They're they're better than that. But like in terms of the line and the running game and all this kind of stuff, like I I think that's the direct comparison. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I think you you, you have to take your chances a little bit with the guys on the outside and and just say, okay, show me that you can beat me. And and you can't let you can't let the running game get going. I felt like against Iowa State, we were trying to toe the line a little bit too much, almost where it's like they're not really good at anything. So we're going to, we're going to just like kind of sit back and, and not let them do stuff. And it worked a little bit, but then, you know, until it didn't basically, I think with this team, Sanders isn't particularly good against pressure. Like if you, if we're watching that, uh, that Oklahoma game last weekend, Mm -hmm. um, Oklahoma was going after him and, and it really bothered him. Obviously. I mean, the guy threw four interceptions. I think, I think you got to try and do something like that. I don't, I don't think you can sit back and, and let him get comfortable. I don't think you can sit back and, and let him, you know, kind of maneuver around the pocket and then, oh, I'm going to break the pocket and, and put some guys in conflict of do they have to come up and guard me or, or do they have to stay back on the pass? Like, I think this is – I mean, shit, dude, we're four and seven. Like, go after the guy, you know? Like, mm-hmm. like make, make them adjust. I, I feel like there's been times this year when our coaches was like, yeah, well, if we do this early, then, uh, you know, there's a chance that they adjust. It's like, how about we make – how about we make them adjust? You know, okay, like make them go to plan B. Why are we going to plan B, um, you, you know, in the first half? Because the other team might have, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I think we, we have to go after him, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, you know, I think transitioning to this defense, Oklahoma State, I, you know, I think the the big thing last year was they were a top five unit. Um, yeah. And, you know, they, they lose the defensive coordinator. He's at Ohio State now. And, um you know, this isn't the dominant unit that you could lean on like last year where Spencer Sanders was allowed to be a little bit sus because your defense was letting up like 15 points a game or something crazy. Yeah. And, you know, you just needed to, to you knew you were going to get stops on the other end. Now, this year, they've kind of come back down to earth. Um, and, you know, that, this is something we talk about a lot when you have one elite unit and the other units just like serviceable. That gets you a long way in college football. Um, unfortunately for them, you know. Offense has been pretty pedestrian, and the defense has just kind of dropped back down to the middle of the league. Uh, I mean, they still, you know, they, they got some dogs, especially in the, the pass rush, I'd say, is their, um, you know, their go-to, and that's that's where they're going to wreak a lot of havoc. But um, definitely not the unit that they had last year. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I, I, I put, you know, it's been surprisingly not very good because we just kind of become accustomed over the last, uh, you know, uh, I'd say three, three to four years um, of, of Oklahoma state having a very good defense. And, and, you know, it's just, we, we knew they were losing dudes. I, I don't know if we knew how much they'd missed, you know, missed the guys that they lost. And, and it turns out that they, they missed them quite a bit. You know, like you said, uh, defensive line, defensive line, in my opinion, is still right there with, with Texas, right there with Baylor as, uh, as one of the best units in the league, especially, I think they have the best, best edge rotation. They, they have four dudes who they rotate in Colin Oliver, Tyler Lacey, uh, Trace Ford, Brock Martin, um, who have all played, you know, 350 plus snaps. They have 94 combined pressures, um, which is which is insane. And it's kind of the same. They were, you know, they were really good last year as well. Um, but I think that's the best group in the league. The interior guys are fine. I think where they've really taken the biggest step back, and it's kind of what we called out over the summer is, you know, and this isn't even really an indictment of, of Xavier Benson, Mason Cobb, who have been there. Uh, they're, they're two linebackers this year, but they just haven't been as good as Malcolm Rodriguez and Devin Harper were for them last year. I mean, you know, those are two mm-hmm. dudes who got drafted. Rodriguez is, is starting for the freaking Detroit Lions right now, right? Um, Harper is a, Harper is a player for the Dallas Cowboys. Like, and Benson and Cobb have been fine. They've been, you know, I'd say average to above average starters in the league. But, but going from two NFL draft picks to like two above average starters – uh, especially with the way that they play defense where it's a lot of man on the outside and they're handsy. really they're handsy on the outside and they're counting on their front to get pressure. And then basically those dudes just clean up everything in between. Um, and they just haven't done it quite at the same level as those two guys last year. Um, you know, I think they're, they've been decently productive, but not as good against the pass have missed, have missed some tackles here and there. And just, I mean, we've seen, you know, like, I mean, Lee, Lee Kogbo looks fantastic when, he gets in the right gap, but he's not always in the right gap. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you forget that like looking jacked in a uniform isn't everything that goes with, with playing linebacker. 
Um, and I think these guys have, have been, have been probably, I mean, I think it's the, the weakness of the defense. Um, I don't know about you. What do you like? What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think pretty much agree with all the stuff that you said there. Um, yeah. And, you know, as you kind of progress through this defense, moving, moving from the line to back, you know, I think it, you just kind of, you get weaker. You, this is PFF says this is the worst tackling team in the conference uh, by a fair margin. So, I mean, that's something you would generally think that's kind of leaning towards the linebacking core. You know, that's that's where maybe that that big, um, you know, the departures are felt. Uh, clearly, West Virginia is the the lowest team in the conference in the coverage category, but Oklahoma State in the bottom half of the conference as well. So, yeah, once again, as you're you're getting away from the line of scrimmage. Um, just really not the same dominance that they, that they had last year. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the, the corners have been okay, but not elite and the safeties have been okay, but not elite. It's just like you said, where, um, kind of, kind of the same deal with the off with, with the offense, right. Where it's like, they have some good players, but they don't have any like game changers or difference makers. So, um, on the back half of the defense, I guess I should say the, the front half is, is, is pretty good, but yeah. Um, yeah, just in terms of, so, so we have a, we have a, it's a four, two, five. They're going to come after us up front. They're going to get handsy outside. Joel, what would you, uh, what would you dial up? What's the recipe for, for, uh, attacking this team? Hmm. I don't know. You know, I think we're going to be going with Garrett green. I, I imagine though, Neil did not confirm. I think that's what you're going to see. I'm curious if we're going to see other quarterbacks in the phrase. Well, you know, he teased Nico a little bit last week. Um, so, you know, I, I, I would like to see a playbook that is continually more catered to the skill set of the quarterback we have. Um, and, you know, I think putting, putting our players, specifically the quarterback, um, in the best positions to, you know, do what they are good at. Um, and, and once again, learning about like, we're going to be playing Garrett green, seeing how he's going to handle this kind of front, you know, they, this might be the situation where he's not going to have time to you know sit in the pocket and the pocket might not be the easiest to to get out of easily you know this might be you know kind of with four guys on the front something that's just going to collapse quickly obviously they get a ton of pressures i think 198 on the season um that's substantially higher than west virginia has gotten so you know i i'm interested to see how you attack that i thought the running game was was honestly pretty solid against a good run defense in kansas state clearly we're working our way down the depth chart with the uh, with the running backs, but I think you're getting Prather back this week. I think Prather was missed this week, to be honest. Prather is he's been money this year in in that like eight to fifteen yard range. Like he has been automatic. Um, so interested to see how that sort of develops. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I feel like I've said it for a couple of weeks now. But hey, just to let it fly. This is like. You want to learn about your team. You're not going to a bowl. This is the last game of the season. It's, uh, you know, it is what it is at this point. And I want to learn about our players and put them in a position to succeed, which has not been something this coaching staff has been excellent at. But um, in a weird way, this is almost like a combine evaluation game because some dudes are realistically going to transfer out. And other dudes are playing for starting time next year, position, you know, prestige on the team. So, um Ultimately, I just want to learn about our players. I want to see, you know, go win some one-on-one matchups. I want to, you know, I think we've had some receivers kind of turning on here in the second half of the season. You know, I think just see what we got. I, I'm, I don't know. I thought, uh, I thought uh, Cortez Braham actually. Yeah, he looked good. He looked good. I, I don't understand like why. Uh, you know, how, like it's just we. It feels like we pigeonhole these guys. Like, how can we not figure out a way to get a guy like that on the field, like without Caden Prather missing time, you know, like what are we scared of having too many good receivers on the field at one time? Um, and then, you know, you talk about catering your offense to things, your quarterbacks are Joel. It sounds suspiciously like you're saying we should play to our strengths. And I don't know really how I feel about that. Like on the surface, it sounds like something maybe we should do, but, um, yeah, I don't. You know, the other guy I wanted to call out, uh, J- Jalen Anderson looked really, really damn good yeah. against Kansas State. Where it's like, this is another one of these things where it's like, dude, what the hell is this guy doing in practice? Where like we can't find a touch for him until until he's the fourth guy on the depth chart. 
Um, <laughs> sometimes I do wonder, especially in the running back position, when you get a spark late in the season from a guy you've never heard of, how much of it is he's just not banged up as everyone else because running back is inherently a position that goes through that. But yeah, he looked awesome. I mean, he had a couple like second effort runs, couple like high like, level runs. Yeah, high like, level, smart cut, smart like leading, like following blocks. Like yeah, he was impressive. I yeah, I was love to see some more of him this week. I mean, dude, dude was a four star coming out. Justin Johnson was his four star coming out. Like these are two where it's like we're starting to see this pedigree shine through a little bit. And, and yeah, to your point, like if Tony Mathis isn't banged up, if TJ CJ Donaldson doesn't have a broken ankle, like they're not getting the tick that they're getting. But like it definitely does make me feel better going forward. Whereas you know we have we have these two dudes. Like they're both. I think I think they're both uh, freshmen, right? Redshirt freshmen. I believe that, so. Yep. So I mean. You know, it's it's hard not to feel good about that room. Um, you got Jaheim White coming in, who said he's coming uh, regardless of who the coach is. He's committed to the school. He's not committed to the staff, which is which is God bless you, son. Uh, you know, you're already you're already you're already my favorite player in in this in this class. Uh, <laughs> God bless you. Uh, and so, yeah, you feel good about this room. Where you know, interested to see obviously who we end up bringing in, but. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, like you said, this is this is an audition. Like, leave it all out there. Let's uh, let's go down. Let's go down swinging, man. I mean, we're we're down. Like, let's just go down swinging. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's that's all you can ask at this point. Like I said, there's no bowl. There's no. Uh, I I think the last two weeks I could almost sell you on something bigger, but this week it's it's yeah. just a game. Then you know this one's for the the real sickos who are still listening to this podcast and excited about the twelfth game of the season for this team. So. Uh, that's, that's where we're at and it is what it is. So, um, <laughs> do we have, do we, do we, do we do predictions? Should we do a quick prediction? Yeah, let's just do a prediction. Sure. <laughs> Why not? Uh, again, no reason to think we should win this game cause we're bad and, and, uh, Oklahoma state is probably less bad. I think we can win. Fuck it. Why not? They haven't, they haven't lost a game at home this year. It would, it would feel really good for me. Neil has, so this is the Kazaza, uh, the title of his article, but Neil has made the hard part easy because mm-hmm. like he's a really good guy, but we've sucked bad enough at this point that I don't feel bad thinking that he should be fired, but it would make me feel good if he went out on a win. So let's go Agreed. out on a win. Agree. That'd, that'd be a nice bow and everything. If, if this is it, this is the last ride. Um, yeah. Find a way to win a sloppy game in Stillwater. Um, you know, looking at Oklahoma state last four games, they haven't scored more than 20 points. So um we can our, off, our offense can reach that and you know our defense may allow more than that but um <laughs> i i really am not eight and a half feels like a lot for this team um i think this is a game that you you could find a way to win especially with uh some improvements in the offense if we're, we're shifting focus with quarterbacks whatnot um so you know i don't know i could see this coming down the wire i if, if this game's still competitive in the fourth quarter um you know, find a find a way to win a sloppy game like that. Unfortunately, our team has not felt like we can scrap one out at the end. Other than Baylor this year, I don't really feel like we've we've done that. But um, yeah, it'd be a nice nice uh, nice redemption arc if you get a Casey leg forty four yard game winner. Good for Casey. Good for Neil Brown, and and you know, put a bow on on whatever you want to call this season. <laughs> oh, all right. Um, anything else? I think I'm good. I think I'm good. Yeah, I think that's it. It's the last preview of the year. We know that for sure. So yeah. Um, thank you for listening. So we have a Twitter account for the podcast. It's at West by pod with underscores. I'm Joel Bracken at WV stats guy. He is Jordan Pinto at game day shorts. You can also hit us up on smoking musket where I'm sure there will be some fiery and informative articles in the coming weeks. So you know, stay tuned there. And as always, thank you for listening. All right, guys, let's go.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.